when you take a look at a tree, you got to be able to see more than just a tree. I think what God, when God looks at us, he sees a different perspective than what we see. Sometimes we just see ourselves as just this plain barked log just kind of hanging out in the forest or in the world. But God looks at all of us in this world, and we don't get lost in the world. He actually sees our potential. And when he looks at us, he sees more than what we see. And in the series that we're going through, talking about one thought, did you know that God has thoughts about you? He thinks about you all the time. The fact that you were born and the fact that he even thought of you shows you how much God loves you, that he didn't just think of you for this world, but he thought of you for all of eternity, that there is a place that he is preparing for you and I. So maybe our one thought today is, how can we think from a different perspective? And how can we have a perspective that is greater than ours? See, we're all going to have a perspective. We've all grown up in this world that has only one perspective. And the perspective of the world is mostly self as well as speed. How can, I, how can I do the most with the time I have? How can I get more? How can I obtain more? And then God says, hang on, that's one perspective. Let me broaden your perspective. And the scripture we've been talking about is Romans 12, 2. In fact, it's in your notes that you can take out right now and you, it'll help you to follow along. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says it like this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, Jesus constantly encouraged people in who they were becoming. He wasn't concerned about what they did. Jesus didn't come to a person and, and if they came to him and said, you know, I've been doing this wrong, this wrong, he wasn't concerned about that. His main concern was who they were becoming because he saw the potential in them. He didn't look at who they were at that moment. He didn't come to people and say, oh, you're so bad, you're doing this and that, and they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I know I'm doing that. He says, no, this is who you're becoming. I see greater things in you. And that's what God wants us to hear today, that although we may have a past or we have a present life, he says, I have a greater life for you. But you got to think from a different perspective, not our own. There is this... Uh, shoe manufacturer who decided to open the Congo market and it, they sent two salespeople to the underdeveloped territory. One salesman texted back to the company, prospect here, nil, zero. No one wears shoes. Well, the other person texted back, the other salesman, and he texted back, market potential, terrific. Everyone is barefooted. <laughs> See, it depends from what perspective you're going to look at things that is going to be the deciding factor on how you're going to respond in any given situation. What your thought will be for your life or, or maybe what your thought will be for your family. What is your perspective? You're either going to have a perspective that says no chance or potential terrific. You're going to have to make that decision. But if we don't have options, if we only have the world's option of what perspective we should have, then we're only going to think within that realm. We're not going to be able to have more options. So what will your thought be today? What is God saying to you? 
Maybe it's difficult to think from a different perspective because you've been brought up in a certain way. Maybe life happened to you and, and it wasn't the best life. And so you only have a, a, a painted, kind of skewed look at life and it's blurry or, or unclear. Or maybe you've had such a rough season that your perspective is tainted. And so when you hear that God has a better perspective, it's, it's almost like it's testing your faith. And you're wondering, how can things be different? How can I have a different perspective? Well, we're going to learn that God's ways are so much higher than ours. And unless we have a different perspective or God's perspective, then we're only going to be one-dimensional. God's perspective is so much broader than ours. And here's why we should learn to think from a different perspective. Because each and every situation that we will come across poses new complexities as well as possibilities. And so in order for us to get past certain things, we're going to have to have a different perspective. And if we don't develop different perspectives, then we will eventually lose perspective and become a one-dimensional thinking person. One-dimensional in our perspective. And when you lose perspective, you actually lose the ability to put your focus where you need to put your focus when you need it the most. And then when you lose perspective, you actually lose control. Now, not lose control on the things you actually can't control, but you lose control on the things that you can control. And when we lose control, then we don't have stability. We don't have freedom or the freedom in our head and our mind and our thinking to think what we need to think and to put the appropriate attention to where we need to execute things well. We just won't have it because we've lost control, because we've lost perspective. But God says, I can, re- I can help you to have a, a good perspective because the way you think determines your actions, but it's your perspective that will determine how you respond in those actions. The other day, I was, in fact, it was last week. You know, Sunday mornings are, uh, it's a long morning for many of us who serve here. Uh, Pastor Charlie spoke last week, did a, a phenomenal job in, in having, you know, godly thoughts. But the day is long because we're here about 5 o'clock in the morning, 5.30. And we don't get out of here till about maybe 1 o'clock. And so I'm full of adrenaline. You know when you do something so exciting, you're just full of adrenaline. Well, I got to burn that off. Otherwise, I'll be groggy. On Monday, I'll just be out of it. It's like I'm off an adrenaline rush. Well, so Sunday afternoons, I love to burn off that energy by playing basketball. And so I was at the gym last week, Sunday, and I'm just by myself. I put my earphones in and just listening to some music and just shooting hoops. And no one's around me. I'm just shooting by myself, just trying to burn off energy. Well, here come these two little children. They're about maybe 10 years old. And they come up to me, and I see them, so I turn off my music, and I say, hey, how, how are you? They said, good, where did you get your ball? And I said, oh, I, I brought my own. And they said, do you, do you, is, are there more? And I said, you know what, um, usually they have in the closet, but is it not open? And they said, no, it's closed. And apparently, because there were, you know, games happening outside, they closed the gym so the children could play outside. So they didn't have a basketball. Then they came back to me and they said, oh, no, it's closed. And then they asked me this question. Can we play with yours? 
And let me just pause. Let me just tell you what happened in a split second. I'm thinking, what do you mean play my ball? Get your own. What? You don't come to a basketball gym without a basketball. And then I want to play with this all by myself. I, I'm not sharing. I, want, I turned into a kid. And so I said, and, and so I'm saying to myself, but these are children. I know these are children, but they're not your children. I know they're not your Remember the, the angel and the little devil? I mean, same thing was happening. So, I, I, so that was a split second. And so they asked, oh, can we play with yours? I said, absolutely. Took off my headphones. And so I asked them, what, your, what are your names? And so they told me their names. And I'm thinking, ah, five minutes, we'll play. So after five minutes, kind of winding down and kind of throwing some hints like, hey, so what are you guys doing outside? What's, what's happening outside? Is they, oh, we don't know. Okay, check. And they're still playing. So now they say, how about us two against you? And I'm thinking, I just got injured from playing with people older than me. I'm not about to get injured playing with people younger than me. So I said, okay, we can play just a little bit. So we're playing. And then two more children came in. And then they said, hey, can we play with you guys? Sure. Come in. And then Four more children came in. In about 10, 15 minutes, I had 13 children there playing all on different teams. And I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm playing with them. And, and this, is, I, I'm, this is what is going on in my head, what we're talking about today. One thought. And so I said, Lord, okay, what is my one thought? What is my one thought? My one thought will be, and, and Jesus said it well, let the little children come unto me. That's what went on in my head. It's like the Lord said, you're representing me right now. You're not you. You're representing me. So let the children come. So I said, okay. And so I said, I said um, what, however long, Lord, then we'll play. And so we played maybe for about a half an hour, and, and then we we're done. But then I had to leave after that. And as I'm leaving, I said, Lord, you know, give me a different perspective. You know, what was this about? What can I learn? And he said this, and it was, it was just so, so pleasing and I, I think so, uh, so heartwarming to myself. The Lord said this. Take time out for these kids. Because when they grow up, they may not know me. But they may remember you. And then you can introduce them to me. And I thought, what a perspective. My perspective was, this is my time, this is my ball, you have your own parents, you go find your own ball. And so I thought, Lord, you have a better perspective. And so I told Heidi this story, and she said, oh, well, that's a good perspective, so I guess next week you'll take another ball. I said, what? She says, yeah, why don't you just take two? Why don't you go buy another one for them so they can play? That's another perspective. You see, if we only have one perspective, then we're one-dimensional. But if God brings in his perspective, everything opens up. The doors open up. Possibilities open up. And I'm wondering for our families and our, our workplaces and, and just with our life in general, if we only have one perspective, maybe that's why stress is happening all the time. Maybe that's why we're stressed out. Because we only have one perspective. We only have one option. We all can have a different perspective. And we all can benefit from thinking from a different perspective in every, every area of our life. And here's how. Here's the first thing if you want to take some notes. Be open and more open to God's ways. Well, I don't know what God's ways look like. Well, it's a learning process. 
But you got to be open to God's ways. See, our ways, we know where it leads. It always leads to the same place, the same feeling, the same rut, the same routine. But God's ways is so much higher than our ways. His ways are different than our ways. But we got to be open to His ways. Otherwise, we'll just be thinking in our own minds and we think we got this. And God says, I have a better way. My, my grandson, Jaden, he's going to be six this year. He loves to run. He loves running. He can run up and down the basketball court constantly, just run. So he was at our house the other day, and we have a backyard with a, fenced, uh, a fence uh, for our dogs. And he's on the outside of the fence, and he's racing one of our dogs. Our dog's name is Bo. He's a pit bull mastiff. So he's kind of a, kind of a thick-looking dog, but he can run pretty fast. And so Jaden is on the outside running, but Jaden hates to lose. I guess it runs in the family. He just doesn't like losing. So he's racing the dog and he's running and he's watching the dog as he's running. And when the dog beats him, he stops and he gets frustrated. And I said, what happened? Why'd you stop? He said, because I'm losing. I said, you don't stop because you're losing. You keep running. So he kept trying to run and he kept looking at the dog. And I said, Jaden, okay, here's what you have to do. When you're running, don't look at the dog. You look straight ahead. Look at the goal. And you run as fast as you can, but don't look at the dog, and then open your hands. And I I wasn't going to teach him about aerodynamics at that point, but I just said, open your hands, it'll help you to run faster. And just look straight ahead. You got it? Just look at Papa. So I stood where he was going to run to, and I said, ready, go. And he starts running like this. (laughs) He's looking at the dog. (laughs) I said, no, you know. I said, Jada, look at Papa. He's like, I said, your face is towards me, but your eyes are looking at the dog. And I thought, if, if he can, and he's learning, if he comes to that point of learning how to run and to be focused, this kid will be amazing at running. And he already is. But it requires his thought to be open to another way. Because for him, he's thinking, if I can watch the dog, then I can be quicker because I can see where he is. Any one of us can fall prey to looking away. Or we can face the Lord. We can face God's ways. We can, we can get into the Bible. We can understand a little bit. We can come to church. But sometimes we're at church, but our eyes are on the world. And we're looking at other things. And it's like the Lord is saying, just try my way. Just, just do something that's going to be different in your life. Be more open be, just make some room for improvement. And, because God is more concerned about who we're becoming, not who we are or where we've been. He sees the future for us. Isaiah 58, excuse me, 55, verses 8 through 11. The Bible says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And then he gives an illustration. He says, the rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere 
I send it. So you know when we hear the word of God, either through the, the Bible or, or in a, a, a setting like this, his word will accomplish what it was set out to do. We just determine how long it's going to take. If it's going to be God's way or my way. Am I going to obey God or obey myself? Am I going to look to God or watch everything else? It's going to be up to us, that longevity, how long it's going to take. Our perspective has limits and borders, but God's perspective is limitless, making it broader. So we have more options. Genesis 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. See, the reason why we can trust in God is because he's not in the circumstance emotionally tied like we are. He's above, and he's able to see from a broader perspective. And if we can trust in his ways, then no matter what is happening in our life, oh, yeah, we're going to be in it, but we can actually pull back a little bit and look from God's perspective and say, Lord, what, what are, what's your way? How, how, how can this work? What is your way? What does it look like? What does it look like for my family, my marriage? What's your way? The other week, Heidi and I, uh, we had to change our water pump. So it's, uh, we're on catchment water. So the water pump is in our house and the thing started to break down so we got a new water pump well we fixed the thing but the water pump was defective and there was a a funeral last week that i was at and i i was a, a part of well while i'm here the water pump breaks and water just shoots all in our home heidi comes in and she shuts it off and that entire week we are trying to figure out how to change this and make it work and it can be pretty frustrating. Well, through all of that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to check it and say, okay, Heidi, turn the water on, turn it off, turn it on, turn it off, turn it on, turn it off, trying to adjust things. And Heidi's so patiently turning it on, turning it off, turning it on, turning it off. But she's reading this book. And the book is called What's So Amazing About God's Grace? So as she's reading this book, she's becoming impatient with me because I'm telling her what to do. And you know, as us husbands, our tone starts to change from, okay, turn it on. Okay, turn it off. Thank you. To on, off, on, off. So she's getting frustrated. She said, okay, Lord, let me get focused. What, what are you telling me? And she's reading the book about grace. So it's like the Lord said to her, you need to give him grace right now. And I can't tell you how much I appreciated that. Because if you're a perfectionist, which I have issues in that area, I'm trying to make this thing work. If not for the grace of God, through Heidi, I probably would have bro- break, or I probably would have done a worse thing to it. You know how we get when we get frustrated? We just break the thing. We say, I'm going to figure it out later. And we get frustrated. Well, if not for a different perspective, if not for God coming in and helping us, I don't know where Heidi and I would be right now. We probably need counseling. We'd probably be on ends, and we probably need some heavy prayer. But I know that because of God and us trusting in his ways, although the situation was tough, we could pull back a little bit and say, we've been through worse. We've been through worse. 
And God pulled us through. He's been faithful. This is just a tangible thing. We're not going to let the devil come in and ruin what God has built up to this point. We've been together for 30 years, been married for 23. It's not going to shake us. It's a small thing. But we would never think from that perspective unless we say, God, we want to do things your way. Some of us don't like those tests. We don't like going through those tests. But it's, it's kind of like God would say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you more options. I'm going to give you multiple perspectives rather than just the one you're in right now. And it's like test, like in school. Remember when we had tests in school? Some of you, maybe like me, we didn't like studying for tests. So when tests came, the best tests we love was true and false and multiple choice. Those were the best ones because it actually helped us. And that's what God does. He says, here's, here's some multiple choices. I'm going to give you multiple perspectives. So when the tests come, you can look through the different choices and say, wait a minute, God, what are your ways? Your ways are different than my ways. This is how I want to respond. But Lord, what is your perspective? And then he says, I have multiple choices for you. You're not going to be a one-dimensional thinker. I'm going to give you different perspectives. And God opens our eyes with our marriage, our children, our finances, a job situation. He'll give you a myriad of different perspectives to choose from. And then we get to say, Lord, your, your ways are so much higher. I would never have been able to see this unless you stepped in. But we got to be open to his ways because his ways are higher than ours. But here's the second thing. Get to know God. Just get to know him. Well, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get to know God. Well, it's not trying to know about God because I think there's a a fine line between getting to know God and then getting to know about God or learning about God. Getting to know God is such a personal relationship. It's not a religion. It's not a, a, a certain type of belief. It's getting to know him. It's like when you are dating or when you're married and you have someone in your life that you're getting to know. You don't just know about them. You can do that through Facebook. But to get to know a person, you spend time with them. You, you, you have moments of conversation and that's what God says, get to know me. We had this substitute teacher in intermediate school and she was, a, she was so difficult. I, I, I don't want to say her name just in case she's still around. But uh, she was just... I mean, constantly, constantly nitpicking all the time. Sheldon Loxena, Sheldon Loxena, are you paying attention? I'm like, yeah, I'm paying attention. I, I'm looking at you. Yes, but you're not paying attention. You're not focusing. I said, I am focusing. You know, I just grumble and grumble. And she says, you need to pay. You know what? Sit here. I'm like, oh, come on, not again. So I got to sit in the front. And then after a while, she's like, you need to sit right next to me. You're not paying attention. And so I'd give her attitude, play around in class. And then one day she just took me on the side. She says, you know, you just mess around all the time in class. And those were the days where they could actually flick you in your ear and they could get away with it. And so she would constantly, constantly challenge me. But here's here's what happened over time. I began to get to know her and her heart, not her job, And it was a result of me having to do detention during the recess time. Because during recess, it's like she changed into a different person. She became nice lady. And I'm thinking, why is she so nice? 
And what I understood was she was now allowing me to get to know her heart. And her heart was this. She could see potential in me. That's what it was. That's what she would coach me on. And she would constantly tell me, this is what you're doing, but this is who you could be. All, all of your energy that you're pouring into messing around, playing around, and doing dumb things, you could pour it into this. And it's like after a while, she became my favorite substitute teacher. Because here, here's why. She didn't, she didn't give to me or say things that I wanted to hear. She actually gave to me and challenged me where it was needed. And I needed that. See, if you're a teacher, a coach, or anyone who works with children, do you understand that concept? That's why some of the students that you're most focused on and probably the most challenging towards are the ones you really, really see potential. I mean, you see potential in them all, but they're the hard-headed ones that they don't see the potential for themselves. And it's like you got to crack through that hardness. And that's what God does. That God says, if you just get to know me, you're going to notice that it's, it's a heart that I have toward you. It's not, you're not in these situations because I'm trying to break you. I want you to get to know me. And it's through situations that we press into God. And God says, I am here. Here's a lesson that you can learn. Here's a different perspective that I can give to you. In fact, Philippians 4 verse 19, it says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. See, the Bible says he supplies all our needs not all of our wants. Imagine if God supplied all of our wants. We'd be even worse. We'd be more messed up than we normally are. And what may seem like the worst time of life can possibly turn out to be the greatest season that you've ever gone through because there are challenges that are needed. But we won't see that unless we change our perspective. See, your problem and my problem is like looking through binoculars. The problem and its size is dependent on what side of the binoculars we're looking from. And if we're looking from our perspective, oh, that problem looks so close, it looks so big, but then we turn that around and we say, God, I want to see from your perspective, then we see, boy, it's so, so tiny. It's so small compared to you, God. You're a big God. Titus 1.15, it says, Everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure, but nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and consciousness are corrupted. Such people claim, to know, claim they know God, but they deny Him by the way they live. They are detestable and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. And that word worthless is not a value placed on a person. It's placed on that which does not prove itself as it ought. In other words, the worthlessness is not found in us. It's found in the potential that's not being realized because of the perspective that we have. And that becomes worthless compared to the potential that God sees that could be realized. And he says, but if you only have your perspective, 
then you're only going to have one perspective. But when you get to know me, you're going to begin to understand not necessarily why is this happening to me, but more of how can I get to know you, God, in the midst of this darkness? And then we can think from his perspective, and then God will speak in the darkness, in the chaos, let there be light. Because he's, he's not wrapped up emotionally in the situation. He's, 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 his ways are so much higher, and he's further away from it, yet so close to us. And so when he gives us this perspective, it actually helps us. And here's the last point. It helps us to learn to, and I'm just going to call it thought shift. Okay, thought shift. Learn to thought shift. In, in a one-dimensional thinking, you, you can't shift your thoughts because you only have one thought, anger. You can't shift. You only have one thought, blame. Only one thought. That's, that's, all, that's the only thought we have. One thought, debt. That's the only thought we have. And so we, we can't thought shift because that's the only gear we have. When we thought shift, it's like God gives you multiple perspectives. So it's like multiple gearing for your car that now you can shift. Sometimes in the heat of the moment, if you don't have this, this multidimensional thinking, then you can't shift. But if you have multidimensional thoughts, then you can say, okay, right now I'm like going full speed ahead. I need to downshift. I just downshift. I got to change my thoughts. Right now I'm angry, but I, I don't blame. In fact, yesterday, yesterday I have these um, wireless headphones. And after I was done working out, I put them in my jacket pocket. I put them on the washing machine because I'm going to wash it later. Now, before I wash my workout clothes, I check my pockets. But this time, Heidi said, you know, I'm going to wash the clothes. That way we can get everything ready because tomorrow is going to be busy. I said, absolutely, go ahead. And then I came in, back into the house and it was done being washed as well as done being dried. But I saw my headphones on the dryer and I said, Heidi, where'd you find the headphones? She goes, in the dryer. I was like, oh. <laughs> no way. And I said, why was it in the dryer? She said, because you forgot it in your pocket. Now, let's just pause because this goes on in every marriage. So the battle is, whose responsibility is it? Is it the person who's, who actually put it in there, that it's their responsibility to take it out? Or is it the person who is going to wash clothes to check the pockets? Now, I'll let you pause for a moment so you can choose your side. Okay, so here's just my theory. My theory. My theory is this. It was no one's fault in this case because although I put it in my pockets, I was going to wash the clothes and I normally check my own pockets because I know I do this. So it wasn't Heidi's fault because she was doing a good thing, washing the clothes. So it's not her fault at all in any given situation as well as it is not the person. This is my personal opinion, so if you've got to leave church because of this, then I don't know, it's between you and the Lord. But I believe... That it's not the person washing the clothes. It's the person who put the thing in their pocket in the first place. Unless, whoa, 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 easy. <laughs> I wouldn't even go to unless after that. But it is. It's my responsibility. My responsibility is to make sure that if I'm going to put dirty clothes, wherever it needs to go, in the hamper or if it's on the washing machine, then I make sure 
that everything is taken out of my pockets. Pens, lipstick for the women, uh, whatever else you put in your pockets, your, your phone, it's, it's your responsibility. We can just go home with that. Solve every marriage dispute right now. We'd be good with that. Because here's what happens. The moment something goes wrong, we instantly go towards blame. It's an automatic thing. It's in our nature. Because how can it be my fault? God forbid it be my fault. It must be someone else. And here's the problem. When you become an empty nester, you don't have kids anymore to blame. It's like all your life you're blaming the kids and then all of a sudden, wait a minute. It's still happening. There are no kids at home. So we got to take responsibility and that's where thought shifting comes in. Instead of blaming, just stop and say, where is this going to go with blame? Where is this going to go with whose fault? Where is this going to go with anger? Where is it going to go? Is that even worth it? And then you just shift your thoughts. It's like learning to drive stick shift. I remember when I first learned, in fact, my friend said, okay, jump in the car, start it. He didn't tell me about a clutch and it was in first gear. And we were at school. And a fence was in front of the car. And he was standing in front of it. So when I started the car, it jerked towards him. And good thing the fence was loose because I, I could have hit him. He jumped back on the fence and landed on his hood. He said, what are you doing? I said, what are you doing? He said, I, you're supposed to purse in the clutch. I said, I didn't know there was a clutch. You, you need to tell me these kinds of details. I could have banged you. Which I did because he was, you know, he didn't tell me everything. But then I learned that, wait a minute, there are, there's first gear, second gear, third, fourth, and then reverse. And then there's neutral. Now, although there is a lot of complexities in shifting, it's beneficial for what you need the car to do. And it's just like our thoughts. When we're able to thought shift, some of us right now, we're in fifth, we're in fifth gear and life is just bl- blitzing by. We're just, we're just in a frenzy. It's like God is saying, just downshift to fourth for a while. Downshift to third. Maybe you need to spend more time with so-and-so, whatever it is. Maybe you need a vacation. Take, take, a, take time off, whatever it would be. Maybe it's saying to downshift. For some of us, maybe it's reverse. God is saying, wrong direction, reverse, reverse. Turn around. You're going in the wrong direction. Or maybe God is saying, okay, just put it in first gear. Just put it in first. It's a new season. I know you're fearful. Just put it in first and just go slow. For some of us, maybe God is saying, just park it. <laughs> just, just park it. Put it in park right now. In fact, put the emergency brake on just in case. But if we learn to thought shift, then God comes in. He comes in and he says, here are some different perspectives. Here's some ways that you can think. See, the person who says, I can, and the person who says, I can't, are both correct. But if we're able to thought shift, then we're able to change our perspective, which actually can change the outcome. And God steps in and he says, my ways are so much higher. There's a story in the book of John, chapter 9, where a man was healed. And there are so many different, if you have a chance, read John, chapter 9 maybe verses 1 through about 34. And, and here's this man who's been blind from birth, and so he's healed by Jesus Christ. Well, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, the, the chief priests, 
come out and they say, wait, what if this guy was blinded? How, how can you see now? I said, oh, Jesus healed me. He says, no, that can't be, he can't be Jesus. He said, no, it was Jesus. He healed me. Well, tell me how this happened. Well, Jesus prayed for me and I was healed. He says, are you sure? He says, yes, that's what happened. And so they actually had to call in the parents. Now, see all the different ways they're thinking? They only have one way, actually. And the way they're thinking is, it can't be Jesus. So they're thinking one-dimensional. And so they're thinking of every other way that this can't be Jesus. So they bring in the parents and they say, okay, is this your son? They say, yeah, this is my son. Okay, so he was blind, right, from birth? Yes, he was blind. But now he can see. Yes, he can. How did this happen? And the fear came, fear came over the parents because they're thinking, wait a minute, if we say it was Jesus, now they're going to get mad at us and now we, we're in trouble. So they said, well, uh, you know, he's old enough, so why don't you go ask him? What a, you know, throw him under the bus. It's like, yeah, just go ask him. He knows. So they ask him again. And then finally he's, he's frustrated, this, this man who was healed, and he says, well, I've told you already. I told you. I was blind. That's all I know. I was blind, and now I can see. And then he asks this question. He says, why, do you want to become one of his disciples? And they get mad. He says, what do you mean, one of his disciples? We've been following the ways of Moses. We know more than this guy. And now what, he's going to, be, he's going to disciple us? No way. See, they were close-minded to the things of God and missed the miracle. Because they didn't have multiple perspectives that God gives. They were, they were close-minded to the things of God and they thought they knew God. But Jesus comes in and he says, no, that I can open your eyes. I can broaden your perspective. But you gotta be able to have different perspectives so you can thought shift. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Verses 14 through 16. It says, But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things. Let's read this part together. Ready? Go. For we have the mind of Christ. See, the amazing thing is that you and I are spiritual beings. We're able to think multiple perspectives because we have the mind of Christ. He has a different way of thinking. God's ways are so much higher than our ways. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that complete renovation, that you're being transformed. You're no longer the same person. And the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches, which have been given to us through Christ Jesus. See, our king is much different than any other king. Our king has a different perspective. His ways are so much higher than our ways. It reminds me of this story of a professional golfer who was asked to 
train and, and help the king of Saudi Arabia and teach him golf. So the king sent a private jet to pick this man up and he spent about a week and a half just training the king over and over again. And the king treated him well, paid him well. And by the time it was done and the training was over, the king said, hey, you know, you've been so generous to me, teaching me a lot and it, is, it has improved my game. I just want to thank you. What do you want? And he says, oh, no, 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 no. I, I have everything, king. You've given me a lot. You've paid me well. You, you've taken good care of me. I got to go back to America and, and uh, continue what I do. And he says, no, no, just ask. What do you want? And I'll give it to you. And so the professional golfer said, well, you know, I... I collect golf clubs. So, you know, I just love collecting old golf clubs and, you know, different types of golf clubs. And the king said, golf clubs? He says, yeah. I said, okay. A golf club it is. And so the king said his goodbyes and this professional golfer is on the private jet coming back to America. And, and so he's excited. He's thinking, I wonder what kind of golf club I'm going to have. Is it, is it going to be like a, like a gold plated golf club or or will it be a uh, a diamond crusted golf club i wonder what it will be well he gets home and a couple days go by and he's thinking oh i can't wait to see this golf club it's going to be beautiful a week goes by nothing two weeks go by nothing by then he's becoming a little agitated and and almost disheartened, he's thinking, the king promised me a golf club and nothing. Third week comes in. Finally, there's a certified letter from the king of Saudi Arabia. Arabia and he's like, I guess no golf club. And so he opens it up and, and it wasn't a golf club. It wasn't a, a gold-plated golf club, nor was it a diamond-crusted golf club. But it was a letter from the king. And attached to it was a deed. And he looked at the deed... And it was ownership of a 500-acre golf club. <laughs> oh, the king has so much more than what we actually think he has. And maybe some of us are expecting from God a golf club. Maybe a gold-plated life or a, a diamond-crusted marriage. And God says, oh, I have so much greater things for you. If, you. if you can only think from my perspective, you're thinking this, but my thoughts are not like your thoughts, nor are my ways like yours, for my ways are higher than yours. My word will go out and produce fruit. It will do what I intended it to do. We just determine how long that's going to take. May we begin to think from his perspective so that we can have multiple perspectives. And in doing so, we'll be able to see how good and precious is God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you for being our God our King, our Savior, that you were able to see so much more in our life than we could see for ourselves and that's why you came for us. 
That's why you've given us your one and only son. And so today, Lord, may our thoughts be your thoughts. Maybe our one thought today is, who am I becoming? Who am I becoming in you, Lord, and and how do I get there? And maybe today has, has been a day where our perspective has been broadened and our choices have been multiplied. May we never again be a one-dimensional perspective type of person, but, but that we would be a multi-dimensional person, that we get to know you, that we at least try your ways, to be open to your ways, so that we can begin to think differently. And, and when we're in the heat of the moment, Lord, when things aren't going well, can we thought shift to help us to think from multiple perspectives? You're good at that, Lord. And so we have the mind of Christ. We want to be just like you. I pray for all of us, Lord, that that would happen. In your name we pray. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Do you receive that this morning? Let's just thank the Lord with a clap offering today. I'm just saying, Lord, we receive that today. It's all because of you.